0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger Podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from
0: the French word bêcher, meaning digger.
1: And hello everybody, welcome along Cricket Badger Podcast. We've got a little bit to talk about I think at the moment because there's a bit of uh, cricket being played. We did moan the other day about the fact that um, a lot of these matches were quite one-sided so it hasn't really kicked off in terms of late drama. Um, still hasn't really because England got battered by Afghanistan. It was never that was one sided as well. Um, but uh, I welcome back to the Cricket Badger Podcast both Neil and Anand. They've been on the, both of the uh, Cricket World Cup shows so far. So hello to you two. Wave at you both. And uh, but I will spend most of my time and welcoming back both Rita and Claire. Let's start with you, Claire. Good to see you back on the Cricket Badger Podcast. A, how are you? And B, how much did you enjoy England's crushing defeat today?
0: Well, um, first of all, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it feels like it's been ages since I've been on one of these podcasts, and lots of stuff's happened. Um, but cricket is still like keeping me positive and grounded. That said, uh, today, mm, interesting. Yeah, not what well, not the result that I expected, and I just thought Afghanistan really showed a lot of fight, and they were clearly in it to win it. And I just felt England didn't seem to be as invested. Maybe I don't know. If they thought, you know, we've got this one, so, uh, so yeah.
1: The commentators were throughout were were still saying, and win Predictor were still saying that England were going to win, even almost to the, when they were about eight down. It was ridiculous; know, they could still do this kind of thing. They are only seventy nine short of victory with one wicket to go, um, but yes, it never looked likely. I don't think, uh, apart from Harry Brook, everybody else with the bat just uh, just disintegrated. Um, and welcome back. Um, to uh, the man in the top right-hand corner there, Rito. Hello and welcome back to you, Rito. Our resident uh, in India, but an English supporter. Um, same question to you, Rito. How did you find England's crushing defeat today? Uh, James, thank you so much for such a warm
2: welcome. I was a lot better at 2 o'clock this afternoon than I am right now. None of us really expected uh, Afghanistan to upturn England, the defending champions. The problem with England right now is Think is a lot of their senior players are out of form. Chris Wokes, Johnny still Jos Butler, you name them, they're all out of form right now. And that is what is costing England. And even Sankaran poor our young batter Sankar, many a times he has dug England out of such dangerous situations. But today, for some reason he couldn't even hit Mohammad Nagy for for the fours and six seven meters. Poked at one end, got got extra, and that's, that has been the problem for England. I thought maybe their uh, performance against New Zealand was a blip, but given how they have played today, I don't think so.
1: Ahead of the 2019 World Cup, from an English perspective, I was confident that England were going to get to the final and could win it um, this time. I have got no, none of that confidence going through my body at all. And they've given themselves a bit to do, Neil, haven't they? With two defeats in the first three. It's not Last Chance Saloon just yet, but they are getting to their backs against the wall. They, there needs to be some response. In 2019, they had lost matches there. They were playing knockout cricket for the, the end of the, uh, the group phase. And Joss Butler was saying after the defeat today they've they've had been in hard times before and have come they've bounced back, but this doesn't feel to be the same kind of vibe around this England team. There was an air of not inevitability they're going to win the twenty nineteen World Cup but there was an air of they were the number one team in the world they knew how to play this cricket they had their eleven sorted out in their heads they knew exactly how to win matches from tight corners and and from every single situation this time round they don't seem to have that kind of vibe
3: yeah it's it's very, very different, isn't it? um I think we were talking about this on WhatsApp before and I was also talking with um, my brothers uh, and uh, and uh, friends group um and I described England's approach to the whole world cup as slapdash uh, complacent and arrogant um they they've forgotten that 2019 happened on the back of 4 years of meticulous planning and laser focus from Bayliss and Morgan and they they had a proper vision and they did everything towards that World Cup including the Champions Trophy where they were almost there but not quite and Mm. Morgan was still tweaking quite frankly I think after that World Cup happened then they drank the Kool-Aid and they've just ignored the formats domestically we've talked about that many times how it's now a second eleven competition in England and they haven't played that many ODIs. When they have it's often been at the back end of a series and they've rested a lot of people um and they haven't made it a priority. Um they've gone with they haven't refreshed the squad that much. I mean I'm thinking within this team you've got Brooke at the moment because Stokes is injured. Uh come in uh, for basically as a replacement for Plunkett, um, and Roy's dropped out at the last moment for Milan, who was still there or thereabouts in 2019. Um, but otherwise, it's very much the same the same group. If Joffre had been fit, then he'd have been there instead of Atkinson, uh, and it would pretty much have been uh, the same group. They've come here just expecting to rock up, having only played t20 and hundred cricket for four years and through the batting performances they just haven't shown shown that they've got the rhythm for a 50 over game i was really worried about brook today and i've got to say i've spoken a lot about him and how he hasn't experienced it and stuff and i thought he was the only one who stood up played played his shots but only when they were there and Mm -hmm. otherwise he looked pretty solid um, Against some uh, some very good bowling, um,
1: I, I thought that David Milan and Terry Brook have been the two best England batters in this tournament so far, and they were the two of the biggest question marks. Um, next to them, in terms of selection in the squad, uh, um, Anand, um from from your point of view as an Indian fan in America, watching from a distance, how have you seen England's? Uh, I mean, actually, um, before we go go too deep into England's travails, Afghanistan. Rah, rah, rah. I mean, fantastic performance by them. I mean, we, we kind of tend to center on sometimes the, the big team losing. Let's actually talk about the little team winning.
4: They, they were brilliant. It's been a pretty incredible ride. And, you know, one of the things we talked about is on the right pitch, Afghanistan is going to be a nightmare for somebody. We just think, didn't think that that somebody would be the last World Cups or the World Cup reigning champions, right? They've always had the spin attack, but we've seen in a couple of games now against India, they scored 270 right? They scored 280 here. On a spinning track, this is a decent enough score. When we look at Rashid, Mujib, and Nabi, they're great spinners. And, you know, I, I I know we've been getting a lot of gloom and doom from England, but let's talk about Afghanistan, right? This is a great thing for them. This is their second World Cup win after beating Scotland. I say, you know, raise your raise glass up if you're drinking. This is great. They should get a win. And, you know, this is a ragtag bunch of players, Who have jumped in and they've been getting better and better as they've gone on. So I think it's a great, it's a great match for Afghanistan. But can we go back to the gloom and doom for England? Uh, Maybe it's me. Uh, Do I, am I the only ray of sunshine here? The biggest difference between last World Cup and this is what? It's played in India. Sam Curran and Vokes swing the ball. They're going to be great in England. Curran bowling low 130s or low 120s when the ball isn't swinging does not work as well. That is going to be a point of difference, and that's exactly what uh, Gurbaz exploited today, right? Can I just put it to you as well, Alan?
1: India have set the um, fixtures up, and they haven't. I. I don't think they have given England the best route through this tournament. In, in England are playing one game at every venue. A lot of the other teams are getting to camp down and play two matches at every venue. England are playing at Delhi. When we saw India playing at Delhi, it was an absolute road. We row it, smashing it all over the place. When England play there, it's biting into the surface, and uh, Rashid Khan's getting spin. I, I, I fear so... England, India fear England, and they're kind of trying to find the find the um, exit door for them early.
4: A lot of conspiracy talks, but let me put a stop to all that. (laughs) Ball's going to spin in India. Different pitches will have different sort of spin. Now, when it comes down to our pitches as well, we have relayed pitches, and some pitches have the reddish, red-brown clay, and some pitches have the traditional clay that we have in India. And that's on the square itself. That's going to be a difference. It will change. It is not going to be homogenous across the country. Secondly, one team is traveling more than any other team in the World Cup. And that is the Indian team because everybody wants a piece of the Indian team. I think this is simply a case of the ball spun. England had to play this well. The person who is well suited to playing well is Root. And he got unfortunately, got a bit of a grubber, right? Root yeah. would have done great. Root and Brooke. If Root hung around and he didn't get that ball, I think Root, This this pitch was made for Root. He's arguably the best player of spin in the world, isn't he?
1: Uh, yeah i would agree i i, I think as well Basto was probably I, i'd put in as captain in my fantasy team uh, this round because i thought i could see him playing the rowick kind of innings at delhi um and he got a he was out basically he was hitting his leg stump but he was only just hitting his leg stump it was a, uh, a, a he would see it as being unlucky the bowler would see it as being out but it's one of those wasn't it where um drs did for him but uh yeah just wasn't even day to day.
4: bringing in one extra but, thing about that and I'm, I'm I'm waiting for you to jump on this. What does this mean? Ten overs, no maidens, thirty-three runs and one wicket. Are we looking at a reverse Steve Smith with Liam Livingston?
1: I'd say no, but we we, we may come and revisit that as we go through the tour. I mean, he bowled really well today. Well, I mean, this dad he's bowled well throughout this tournament. To be fair to him, he's he's not done anything wrong. You can't criticize a guy that's getting returning those figures at all, can you? Um, I, I think his main um, job is to bat though, and he's not really done that
4: very well. Um, well Steve Smith started I, I, a spinner, didn't he?
1: I must admit, I, I mean, I, I've said um, elsewhere, I wouldn't have taken Liam Livingston. He wouldn't have been in my 15. Um, but having said that, I had Sam Curran and Chris Wokes in my 15. And on the basis of the, uh, the last, the first three matches, Sam Curran doesn't deserve to be um, anywhere near that side at the moment. He's, he's bowled like an absolute mess today, didn't he? Claire, coming across to you, Um, Tim, WD, has been on. He's got some messages for us all. Um, I'm going to put these to you, Claire. Um, England need to refund the fans, he says. That's the first thing. Um, Stokes and Alley, he says, come straight back into the eleven as far as he's concerned. And uh, he also adds that Wokes has to prove himself with the bat, because he was so awful with the ball well I think that applies to Sam Curran as well you can you can't just single out Chris woke Sam Curran was equally as guilty um but first of all the the I mean the traveling fans the fans that have uh, spent all day watching the fans that have got excited about this tournament saying they should be refunded is a bit strong but uh they're not being repaid for their faith at the moment are they well
0: no but they've had a good day out haven't they I mean it looked like the atmosphere was an amazing you know it didn't rain they still got a quite a full day's cricket, and like, no. They looked like, even though, yeah, they were despondent a bit, they looked like they were having a great time. I'd have gone and watched any, any, well, almost any team lose <laughs> be sat in that stadium experiencing that. So, no, you know, it, it's a game at the end of the day, isn't it? And people have good days and bad days. And if you go out there for an experience and you're at a stadium like that, I think they all had a good time. Stokes
1: and Ali to come straight back into the team then, Claire?
0: What do you do? Like You have a bad game, so the team you select... I think that chopping and changing isn't necessarily the best idea. I just can't... I can't make my mind up about Ben Stokes because he never looks like he's properly fit enough, but then, you know, like he can bat on one leg. We've seen him do it before, but... Do you, like, change your whole team around? Who are you going to put out to get Stokes in? Because he's not really bowling, so he's only batting and was brooking for Stokes. So if your problem's Wokes and Curran, Stokes ain't really the answer. And Moeen Ali, how is he the answer when he's a spinner and Wokes and Curran aren't? So it's, it's, But I guess if Livingston's spin, it's. yeah, I don't know. It just feels a bit messy and a bit desperate, like, oh, let's change everything. But guess- well, J-
1: Joss Butler said, Claire, after the thing, you know, I mean, and yeah. Zach Crawley was in the studio on the TV feed I was watching and the, he was saying that uh, England will be quite calm. They'll just sit back and they'll talk it through. They'll have calm heads in the dressing room. There won't, there won't be the knee-jerk reactions. Joss Butler said, you know, when, when he was asked about Chris Wokes' form being a worry, he said, no, he's a class act and uh, yeah, well, you back class acts. But the only thing with Chris Wokes, Claire, is that he's a class act in England, as Alan said. But you stick him on an Indian surface, well, he's Chris Wokes abroad. And Chris Wokes abroad isn't always that good.
0: Well, it, I mean, that's the other thing, isn't it? Everybody knows from going way, way back that Chris um, Wokes doesn't travel well. But you put your faith in him, you took him, he's not played very well. Maybe he's the one to go, I just don't know. I just think, like I say, I don't think a knee-jerk reaction is the way forward. You've got to have faith and back your players and back the team and get some sort of team nucleus thing going on and that team spirit thing, not just like, oh, you've had a crap game, like let's bin you, throw somebody else in. I just, that's, uh, that's not really how teamwork is.
1: But Rito, um, from an English perspective again, how would you change this team? Would you change this team? Would you uh, basically just say to the eleven, go again? South Africa next Rito. They're playing quite well, aren't they? They're they're a team to be feared. You don't want to be rocking up with years kind of D game against South Africa at the moment. Yeah, James, they're playing South
2: Africa at Pankari and that, that pitch has a lot of carry. Um, it's not the biggest of grounds in India, so you can expect a lot of sixes and fours over there. So that's where I won't bring the value back. And... Um, because you really don't want three spinners in your side against South Africa at Montagu. So if Ben Stokes is fit, then he comes straight back. And I think Chris Woakes is a little down on confidence at the moment. So thus, Atkinson in place of Woakes. That would be my two changes. And one that needs to Neil's point that there has been a bit of confidence in in, uh, in England's preparation this time around. I I thought they have. They have the attitude of being there, done that kind of attitude. So that that is really costing them at the moment. And also the, COVID has played, played a bit of part in their... sorry, Rita, there.
1: There does seem to be that we've done this before so we can do it again kind of thing, but without yeah. any of the same um, advantages that they had before. As, as Neil said, they spent four years preparing for 2019. It seems they've just rocked up and they think that that's enough this time.
2: And, and also COVID has played as, uh, its part in that because in 2019, after, after they won the World Cup, then they had a bit of vacation kind of period when they, they picked their B side. And then from 2020 uh, 20 onwards, they couldn't pick their best side because there was always a test side and an ODI white ball kind of side. So that's that has hampered them a bit, I guess. And then in 2020, uh, sorry, in 2022, the ODI captain retired and they had to adjust to Josh Butler and uh, Matthew Mott, the new white ball coach. So there has been a bit of a change in hierarchy that what, uh, what has really helped the red Bull team, it hasn't quite helped the
1: white ball team it the cricket badger podcast is fueled by coffee take a look at cricketcoffeeco.com for some excellent speciality coffee for cricket badgers expertly roasted and ethically sourced the coffee is fantastic cricketcoffeeco.com quote badger with your order and you'll get 10% off I want to come to Afghanistan and the more political side of uh, the debates going around at the moment. And um, Neil, you mentioned on, uh, and just before we could come on to that, Tim WD quite rightly says, thoughts and prayers to Afghanistan citizens with the earthquakes. Yeah, that, that is absolutely um, echoed, Tim, by all of us, I'm sure. But um, you were talking about Australia, hey, who have got Afghanistan to come, Neil. Um, just kind of fill us in on your thought process with that.
3: Yeah, I mean, we, we discussed the... Um Australian forfeit of their ICC Super League matches against Afghanistan um on uh, they forfeited them on the basis of the Taliban further restricting um what women and uh, and young girls are allowed to do in the country and I, I know we all agree how horrendous uh, that is but I think you and I disagreed on whether the forfeit was the uh the correct way and whether it um whether it would actually make any any difference to the Taliban and this Afghan team has um stood and protested against the Taliban's efforts they've uh, they're basically all living in exile in Dubai because it's too dangerous for them to go back they're playing under the old flag now my view at the time because Australia have got form for Canceling series against smaller nations when it is inconvenient for them. Uh, that series was supposed to be after the Australian test tour of India, but before the IPL. Obviously, a lot of the Aussie uh, ODI team, well, the test team is the ODI team pretty much, and they would have been going on to the IPL, so it wasn't great for them in terms of traveling. And I felt it was something that they did rather easily and wouldn't do to another um another team now in the world cup effectively to get through because they've lost two two nations uh who um and their run rate is so bad they need to smash afghanistan now i i don't uh, have all the news sources that you do james working in the media but i'm fairly certain the um the taliban haven't liberated women in afghanistan um over the last few, uh, few I, I months. Think, I
1: think we might have noticed that bit, that bit of news. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, so Australia are now in a, a quandary whether they need to forfeit that match against Afghanistan. I don't think they're seven, in any eight.
1: quandary at all, Neil, because be, it won't even be mentioned, will it?
3: It, it got <laughs> mentioned um, similar to my thoughts uh, on the Final Word um, podcast the other night. And, it won't uh, be
1: mentioned you know, by them, though, will it? That's what I mean.
3: No. Uh, I I think people will bring it up because it's so glaring that forfeit um and the cancellation of the tour was uh, was pretty big news. So um it's whether they're gonna prize um qualification for the semis, um, over uh being called hypocrites um about their ethical stance. Um I think it's a very difficult place to be. Fourth single World Cup match for ethical reasons. Uh, obviously, Nasser Hussein had to go through a similar situation with Zimbabwe in two thousand three.
1: That was more for safety reasons rather than ethical reasons, wasn't it? It was ethical I, was at the back the back of it, but
3: I, no, I think safety was a diplomatic way to put smoke it. Smoke yes. yes, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a reason that England haven't played Zimbabwe in about twenty years um, since uh, since then, and it was because. Um, the government were putting pressure on the ECB to cancel um, that to not go to Zimbabwe, and since then um, the Mugabe government, even though that ended what, six years ago, that's still been going on. Um, and I praise NASA for the way that he went about it. It's a very difficult decision. I think Australia are in a similar similar place. If it was for ethical reasons rather than just a cover for a series they didn't want to play,
1: does it? Um, I mean, I, I tweeted earlier. I get people kind of agreeing with me, and then people telling me that I'm an idiot. Um, I get that every day. But the um, I tweeted. I I feel a little bit um, uneasy, um, for want of a better word, watching Afghanistan's men play in this Cricket World Cup when they had a women's cricket team that does not exist anymore, that has been disbanded completely, that there's no cricket being played by women in the country, that women's rights have disappeared in that country, that the education for women has gone in that country. And they... I I agree with you that they're playing under a different flag and they're based in Dubai, but they're still playing for Afghanistan. They are under the flag of Afghanistan, despite it being an old one. And they are... Uh, their triumphs are being heralded as Afghanistan's triumphs. It's not like Rashid and co. or something. Not at, not at home. Team.
3: Not 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 at home because uh, the Taliban just don't care. I this is why it's so completely it different but, but to just South time, Africa. Just,
1: just, to, just to jump back in again, I, t- I take that point because I don't think sanctions would make any difference to what I tell, the Taliban do. But we, we've talked a lot about racism on this podcast. And if you see something happen about racism, saying speaking up about it probably makes no difference to the world and racism at all, but you should speak up about it. So what is the difference when the women are being um, subjected to having their rights completely disappeared yeah, dissolved in in Afghanistan. If you don't speak up about it, or if you don't actually make a stance about it, you're actually condoning it, aren't you?
3: Oh no, I completely agree with that. And actually, the members of the team have made um, more noise about it than anyone. Extra. But where's the
1: ICC? Where's the BCCI? Where's the rest of the countries? What? what where is the other noise? Because it's not right uh, what's happening. No,
3: no, absolutely. Um, and uh, I agree they they should be doing more the way that i see this afghanistan team is that they're more like those uh the russian athletes who are clean and um compete in the olympics under that uh that sort of rest of world um category uh when russia were uh, were being sanctioned there was a, a separate category for those athletes who uh who had sort of renounced it and were um heavily tested independently um that's kind of what this afghan team is doing being the fact that they are basically exiles
1: i'll I'll come to you next claire because you're the only female on our panel today um women's rights in afghanistan well documented they've disappeared basically and the 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 women cricketers that are enjoying playing cricket not with a huge amount of success but they're getting better as every small nation um, is intending to do um have had to basically either go overseas or they can't play cricket in afghanistan um, does something need to be, I mean, something obviously has to be done about that, but can cricket do anything about that?
0: Well, I mean, I think what's interesting is during the apartheid years, obviously, South Africa weren't allowed to compete on an international level. And yet Afghanistan are. So that, I think that's what you have to sort out first. And somebody has to you know people who it's their job to do that need to make decisions about that knowing what we know about what's going on in Afghanistan are we still prepared to let them compete internationally and then that you have to have that top-down approach because like Neil was saying yeah people can you know everybody can we can talk about it we can say you know the players the Afghan players can say you know they don't agree with what's going on although. But ultimately, what's happening in that country is happening. And some, yeah, people do need to take a stance, but on a higher political level with the consequences that then, like I say, tumble down. I mean, you know, obviously, I'm a woman and I do feel very strongly about it. But it's this whole politics and sport, you know. And, and, yeah, we're in a position to talk about it. And to air our thoughts and views and try and get that heard, but like I say, it's there's got to be some sort of top down approach, which is.
1: I, I always think, Chloe. It, it, people say you shouldn't, shouldn't mix politics and sport. You can't not mix politics and sport. You know, the, everything in the world goes is entwined mm-hmm. in a way and go and you know go, goes forward together. And sport has a big part to play in, in people's lives, mm-hmm. and, and that can have a big impact on people as well. And I it you can, know, you mix-
0: yeah, but 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 it's really difficult to intertwine the two yeah you know sports people as well can have an impact like when there was the whole Black Lives Matter thing and sporting organizations taking the knee and even like with the whole Palestine and Israel thing I know there's you know teams are starting to make stands about things like that as well but when it you can't expect sport to lead the way. You, the politicians lead the way. All sporting people, yeah, everybody has their own standpoint and some people are willing to go further than others or some people are willing to break that again back to like rebel tours of South Africa. For some people, the money was better than the the purpose. But again, if, if these decisions made like, well, you know, Afghanistan can't compete internationally while their treatment of women is such. Then, that then that's what we'd have to go along with, rather than I, I, expecting sports teams to go. Oh well, I'm going to forfeit this game. There's a, you know these ten teams. Everybody plays each other, but I'm not going to play them. But you've let them in. I don't mm. think that should be the. It should be their decision.
1: Uh, Alan, do I I kind of use the um, sort of South African apartheid thing. Obviously, in South Africa, revoltingly, people of colour um, had their rights and uh, yeah, and died as a result of it. Um, di- you know, di- disappeared in South Africa, and there was all of the segregation there. And I've kind of made the comparison with the same thing in Afghanistan because you know, just substitute the word black or whatever for the word woman or whatever. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think it's very similar in in that respect. I've, I've been told that. Yeah, but it's different because Taliban haven't been voted in. But I mean, generally speaking, not all of the um, people in South Africa had a vote at the time because the black people weren't allowed to have a vote in terms of the elections. So I think the similarities are very, very, there are parallels. And I, as we said, ICC banned South Africa during the years of apartheid. And it wasn't until Nelson Mandela's long walk to freedom and stuff, they started to kind of make their way back into the um, international fray. Is there any difference?
4: I think conditions might be even more horrendous in Afghanistan at this point, with what Taliban is doing out there. So actually, you know, a very close friend who works for a nonprofit uh, who visited Afghanistan. And this nonprofit basically works with women. And some of the things that were reported uh, were, were horrendous. You know, from an educational standpoint, from a rights standpoint, I think, you know, women are being oppressed. And it's it's very sad. And also Afghanistan, unlike South Africa even in a worse state, after wars for, what, the last 30-odd years? I mean, uh, I don't think conditions are uh, very good for women at all. And this is where I think it's not just cricket, but I think it's diplomatic efforts need to be in there. Every country has to band together and work with them. But eventually, the change has to come from within Afghanistan, right? Taliban was out of the government for the longest time. Now they're back in, obviously, after the U.S. pulled out from there. So I think it has to be a a solution that's geared from a number of different Uh, avenues and it just shouldn't be sport Uh, the one thing i will say is cricket does provide a lot of joy for the folks living in afghanistan you know let's take the taliban out of the issue but uh, the cricket team has been a source for joy and we need to find ways to see how can we help them as we go forward i think australia did something interesting in which i think out of the 25 women cricketers that afghanistan had i think 22 have been granted visas and they're living in Australia. I think a couple of, one in Canada, one in England, I think, something like that. But we need to find avenues to make these athletes play. And maybe it's under a different flag. But I think the solution goes past cricket. It's not just a cricket solution. It has to be a diplomatic solution. And, you know, like Neil mentioned, unfortunately, I don't know that the Taliban cares.
1: Yeah, I don't think they do. And I'm sure yeah. they don't. But I, don't, I i come back, Rito, to what I said before to Neil about unless you actually as a cricket as cricket fans and as cricket... I mean, the commentators today on the on the TV were mentioning about how great sport was in Afghanistan and about how, you know, a bit like Alan just said, about how great the uh, uh, men's team is heralded there and sport can be such a healer and blah, blah, blah. Never mentioned the fact that the women's team that existed about three years ago doesn't exist anymore. There's no mention of anything like that. Surely we've got to be a bit honest about this in cricket and actually at least mention it. Probably the
2: conditions in Afghanistan are such that they are not allowed to celebrate this great victory of their team. Because the Taliban does uh, they treat it as the national team, so they can't even celebrate it. If they're found celebrating, then they will be punished. So for the community, there has to be sort of the ICC has to take a take a standpoint over here. We are not going to allow them. Like South Africa, that has to come from the ICC or the BCC, as some,
1: somebody said. I, I would at this stage usually just go around the room and say uh, yes or no should they be banned or not. But it's too much. It's too complicated. It's too. It's that's too flippant a thing to do on such a, a, an important issue as this. I think so. Um, unless anybody's got anything burning to say on this, we'll move I, on.
3: I, I've, I've got one thing here, yeah. um, and it's um, uh, it's a thought I, I'd had. So South Africa wanted to engage with the rest of the world. The Taliban specifically don't want to engage with the rest of the world and want to isolate the country from uh, from everything. So alongside having the men's team play, even though they're in exile, the women have got safe haven in Melbourne, I think, for the most of it. Fund the women's squad. Have them play under the old flag. everything a I,
1: I, I totally agree, Neil. And I totally get what you're saying there about having them as kind of like nomads kind of operating under their different flag. But how do you get the next generation to come through to replace them. Because if they are you, you might have twenty very good players in Melbourne at the moment that could play cricket for the women's team, but where did the next lot come from? Because they can't play in their country. So where are they coming from? That
3: that's that's a political thing though, isn't it? And yeah. considering the, the US and the UK left Afghanistan and basically laid out a red carpet for the Taliban to come back in. Yeah. Um, then I don't think. Uh, I think that's a much bigger question um, than uh, than just the sports. Um, uh, that's like oh, uh, the U- U- US and
1: um, US and the UK just washed their hands of it and left the people behind to just deal with the mess didn't they so yeah. uh, I don't think many many people are, are on this issue have got too many things to kind of smile about really um, anyway we wish everybody well um, in Afghanistan after the, uh, the earthquakes etc and uh, well played to Afghanistan today absolutely superb result smashing England um, in the uh, Cricket World Cup
2: and i sent the badger a message and now i'm on the podcast with this jingle if you would like to get in touch with the cricket badger podcast then tweet at cricket underscore badger
1: we would need to talk about um pakistan against india But I'm going to do it off the back of this question from Amit, who kind of did this the other day, and and it worked quite well the other day, so we'll go around again and do it the same. He's asked for the three positives and uh, three negatives of the week in the Cricket World Cup, kind of since we last spoke. We can do do more than three, because you can have a positive and a negative each. Um, But where are we going to start? Who's got a positive to give me first up? Hands up in the air if you've got a positive to shout out. Neil. By,
3: By the second innings in Ahmedabad, we had a full house. (laughs)
1: <laughs> of all indian <laughs> of all indians
3: uh no the um sky found uh one pakistan fan oh, that's I two. oh, the, oh the two oh wow
1: i mean you give me that as a positive but i'll come back with you as that as a negative as well that what if it's a global event and you've got all of these oh, no, teams that, coming from, yeah that part's co- not, not coming positive. from around the world just, then surely just a ball house journalists and fans should be allowed visas to come in and support their team, shouldn't I,
3: they? I think journalists have, because... Um, not all
1: of them, though. I don't think many have. And there was apparently the press conference the other day. A Pakistan journalist was allowed to ask the first question and they will they were basically um, silenced so everybody else could have a, ask the questions. I don't think the Pakistan journalists have been treated very... Uh, they, they're not having the red carpet rolled out for them, put it that way.
3: No. Yeah. No, they've been shamed into finally getting visas for, I've heard, about 50 Pakistani journalists who should be arriving shortly if they haven't uh, already arrived. Uh, I mean, that's a shambles. But the fact that um, I think yesterday, and actually the crowd today sounded sounded really good, and the Bangladesh game, I think uh, the second innings, uh, especially when Bangladesh were putting up a really good fight, um, there, there was good noise coming from the stands. So yeah. after a lacklustre um, showing in terms of people in the ground, whatever the TV figures may be, seems to be uh growing a bit and uh, and that was missed
1: you, you always remember a, a global tournament about by, by how it ends rather than how it starts so uh a, just a the slow last f- 20 overs just the last over at um, the um I, It made me laugh, actually. I was listening to it. Mike Atherton was on commentary when Mark Wood was steaming into bowl to Rashid Khan. And the, the entire crowd was going, Rashid, Rashid, and, and basically shouting after uh, the batter in that scenario. When Michael, uh, uh, and Michael Atherton said, and it's amazing how a fast bowler can generate this excitement in the ground. And they're shouting <laughs> for the batter. Um, anybody else got a positive for me?
4: I do. Uh, I've been to watch matches when, you know, I used to live in India. I've gone to watch matches at the Vancouver Stadium. And, uh, you know, as years of progress, we wanted some infrastructure upgrades. And, you know, every, every time, you know, in 2011, we did the World Cup, they said, hey, we're going to make some changes. They made a few changes. Uh, and this year, uh, albeit late, they did say that they're going to throw some money towards it, and we're starting to see some of it at least. You know, can it be better? Hundred percent. You know, I go to football <laughs> matches out in the US, and uh, you know, we have 100, 110,000 stadiums, and now at college stadiums with incredible facilities out there. I think India, with where we stand with cricket, needs to do the same. We're starting to see some of those reports. I've had a few friends go to the Feroz Kotla or the Arun Jaitley Stadium, and they've seen some, uh, you know, better infrastructure, better seats, better lighting. Also, I forget which stadium it was. It might have been the Lucknow Stadium where free water was being provided. I think things like that are necessary and needed to improve the fan experience. If we're going to play ODIs in eight hours in the under the Indian sun, <laughs> we need roofs, we need water, we need great facilities. And I think at least I'm starting to see some of those tangible benefits come forward. I'm looking forward to see how Wankere looks, but, you know, we've, we've seen some progress and I'm really happy about that.
1: Claire Orito, next for a positive. Who's going to go first? How about the negative tubes? I'll, I'll trust you, Rito, to, to delve us down into negatives this soon. Go on then, give me a negative retake. Cricket's good boy, Kane Williamson is out of
2: action once again. Oh, just yeah. Barely yeah. made an appearance, and then he has broken his right and left arm, I guess.
1: What's the latest on him in terms of his timeout? Is he is he going to miss the rest of it, or is he just out for a couple of what, weeks?
2: Out? What I read is what I read is that he might be back for the last two games.
1: It reminded me of Dominic Calvert-Lewins for Everton. Every time he comes back, he gets injured again, doesn't he? But, uh, yeah, Kane Williamson, we wish you well, because we want to see, no matter who you support in this tournament, you want to see the best players playing. And Kane Williamson, he's undoubtedly one of the best players playing. Claire, to you, a positive or a negative from Claire, please?
0: Oh, I don't know. Maybe, uh, I guess, although there's four teams at the top of the table, that's going to change tomorrow when South Africa play. But I, I don't feel that there's a massive... Gap between the top and the bottom, you know, there's everybody's kind of in the mix. Yeah. So it's not like it's a runaway tournament for anybody yet. And I think with the structure of playing for those four top places, it's like there's constantly going to be, it's always going to be something to play for, at least for the next like couple of rounds.
1: You see, after, after saying you hadn't got a positive, I think that was that was a very good positive. Um,
0: right, okay, that's so I have got a positive. Then. <laughs> so you passed
1: you, pass, you pass yeah. the exam, Claire. Uh, oh. Anybody else a, ne- a negative from you, Neil or Anand? We haven't got a negative from you two yet.
4: I got another positive.
1: Oh, you see, you're the you're the counterbalance to Rito.
4: Always, <laughs> uh, just breathe, Bumrah. Coming back from injury, and you know, he's with that action of his, he's had a few injuries. He is incredibly important to India. So we have not had a fast bowler like him ever. And three matches, 93 runs, eight wickets. And those two balls that he bowled to Rizwan and Shadab, just absolute peaches. And you know, we can you know, a lot of lot of stuff is talked about our passion and fight and grit. This is about execution. And that was beautiful bowling. You know, you can ha- not blame Rizwan that much. He didn't do that much wrong. Neither did Shadab. Beautiful bowling. And I'm really happy that he's back again because he's an incredible bowler.
1: Ian Bishop on the commentary today, Anand, was saying, uh, th- they had a discussion about it being a batting World Cup so far. So many hundreds and big scores and what have you. And they, and Ian Bishop said, yeah, I no, don't totally agree with that. We've seen some very good bowling performances. He mentioned the Jaspit Bumbra. Um, and his performance is so funny. He so, said, you know, if you're a good bowler, whatever the deck, you'll find a way to you know, to at least not get tonked or to cause the batters some kind of trouble. And Jasper always knows what to do, doesn't
4: he? He certainly does. You know, another positive, I know you didn't look for that many positives, but Santner, how good has Santner been? Santner could hardly buy a wicket in the last two years. All of a sudden, he has eight wickets in three matches. Uh, it, it's been fabulous. You see Santner, Henry, you know, kind of pick it up. They've done great.
1: Alan is available for motivational speaking anywhere in the world if you pay his airfare, uh, and re- and if you want to bring your staff down a little bit, Rito is available. Rito, you got any more negatives for me? No, not really have you have any positives at all Rito, in your life at the moment I think <laughs> <laughs> oh Rita um, I, I, I'll tell you I, the one thing another positive from me is the fact that as Claire said the structure of this tournament we've mentioned this before but the structure of this tournament with nine group games you do get a chance if you are Australia if you are England if you are some of the teams that have got off to a slow start to actually regroup and come back stronger and you know you look at the table at the moment England despite uh, their, their two defeats in the tournament so far they're still fifth and their net run rate's not that bad it's only minus 0.06 or something so um, a winning at south africa next time out if they if they play the same way that's not going to happen but uh, if they play if they can get themselves back on track then a win against south africa next time out makes that table look completely different again let's finish off with uh, we've got what about t- 10 or 15 minutes left to talk about pakistan india and um, because um, a tremendous match, um, in in a, a tremendous match in terms of anticipation of it, it was a tremendous match when it was one hundred and fifty-three for two or whatever, and Pakistan were looking as if they were going to make a real fist of that first innings. But the wheels fell off a tad, didn't they? Yeah, the the Indian bowling I thought was was brilliant. I thought the fielding, the bowling was absolutely magnificent from India, and they and just suffocated pakistan's batting uh,
4: absolutely 153 for two with rizwan and babur going at what a uh, 45 50 odd between both of them right it looked like we were looking at a 300 odd chase and then all of a sudden comes in siraj and i think babur just made a mistake in what he was trying to do there he was trying to steer from way too close to his body but after that bumraz bowling and jadeja and and uh even kuldeep right so kuldeep I don't think Saud was able to pick him. They tried to play balls from the back foot, right? And they got they essentially got stuck in there. So I thought the bowling was fantastic, and it's all about skill. I saw a lot of talk about well, Pakistan wasn't up for the challenge. Of course, they were 153 for, for two. They were in it. It's mm. just sometimes skill and execution matter, and I think it matters not just sometimes. I think the most significant team in these games, and India managed to do that.
1: And Claire, after India got those wickets, was it eight wickets for about 40 runs or something ridiculous like that? Um, all you need to do is wheel out somebody that we know and love very well from our Mumbai Indian supporting days. You send out Rohit and he basically blasts a load of runs and he puts any doubt away because you're thinking there's a... you know, Watching that game, you're thinking Pakistan's chance here is to maybe take three or four early wickets and get themselves back into this. And Rohit Sharma just denied them any, uh, any opportunity. Yeah,
0: and I mean, it is an interesting one. Like, you know... It was built to be a great big thing and then it was, oh, it's a bit of a dull game. But I guess it's in India. The crowd is, like we said, massive percentage Indian and they all want India to win. And, you know, at first it's 150 yards and then just a demolition job. And actually, if that's your team playing on your ground in your country in the World Cup, that is quite exciting, I think. I uh, thought it was exciting anyway.
1: Who, who were you uh, supporting as a neutral? Who were you supporting?
0: I mean, I have been doing this quite a while, James, and I think it's not a little-known fact that I do support India quite
1: a lot. <laughs> See, I have to admit, I was actually rooting for Pakistan well, uh, just to make the tournament a little bit more exciting. But that, that's well, really I had neat. my India
0: top on, you know. I mean, and I've said it before, ever <laughs> since Sachin came to Yorkshire, I have followed Indian cricket. So, yeah, that's my team. <laughs> um, um, so yeah I was really chuffed yesterday I was like oh my god this is brilliant and uh, yeah and Roick didn't disappoint
1: they are playing rather well Neil aren't they I mean if you look down some teams and you look down England we've already talked about about three or four five <laughs> spots in England's 11 that could be uh, um, called into question if not yeah, and that's probably being charitable at the moment. I mean, you look down India's eleven, and then you add in the fact that Ishan Kishan's on the bench, that Surya Kumi Yadav's on the bench, that Mohammed Shami's on the bench, who I've missed, there's another one as well. The Ravi team, Ashwin. Yeah, would walk into probably most of the teams in the competition. They are incredibly strong. That 15, the eleven, they are looking very, very shiny and bright and good. Yeah,
3: yeah. and that, And obviously that sends chills through every India fan because, you know, if it seems too good then something's gonna go horribly wrong at some at You're some re- point. You'll Can just we-
1: reserve your bad performance for the semi-final, will Of
3: course, yeah. But but now now well we, we had our, our stumble. You know, it's not like 2019 when we pretty much cruised through through the uh, group stage and then suddenly we're five for three against New Zealand. We've been two for three.
1: Yeah.
3: Um I I think the squad looks um really solidly put together um there's coverage for um different conditions um you know swapping it I've, I've heard a lot of people complaining that you know shardell thacker didn't do anything well that's kind of the point in an ideal world you don't need shardell to bat and you don't need him to bowl but if someone has is having an absolute stinker i mean hardick was leaking a load of runs but he was still uh providing um real wicket threat which is why Shardell only got a couple um, up top. But you have him to come in. If we have a almighty collapse, then he's a better batter than any of our, our other bowlers.
1: Who's the New Zealand lad? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. That's batting about number seven or eight for them, who basically has never batted, never bowled. I've seen him in the, in the field a few times. He's yeah. got uh, at least a couple of uh, appearances. Oh, Chapman. Yeah, Chapman, he's, he's, he's doing absolutely nothing.
3: <laughs> he's a he's a specialist number uh, number seven, like Josh Butler was in the Test team.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if, I would... if, if England need anybody to do that for them, I could do that.
3: Yeah, it, the the New Zealand team is is weird to me. Like it, it um, I saw the first first game and I was really worried because I think they had three frontline bowlers and then they had twenty overs to come from Mitchell, Phillips, Ravindra, and Nisham. But having that many all-rounders who can all chip in with three or four overs means that you can have a luxury like Mark Chapman, who you can send up the order if you're already doing really well to just go T20 mode. So they've also looked um, looked really, really well put together. Just just a word on Pakistan, because um, I, I know a load of people have um, have had a big go at them. Barbara and Rizwan are by far their best batters, and even though they were going at over five and over, they had to take chances. They um, they had to give India chances to go at that rate to get to 150 for two. So when less good batters who hadn't been in for a while came in and still tried to, you know, go for the 300 score, that's when you got the domino effects because they weren't as good. They weren't uh, up to the pace of the pitch um, and the bowling was the bowling was superb even before siraj took Baba's wicket um it's just that the chances hadn't gone to hand at that time and then they all just uh, went uh, went in a uh, in a big run um so i'd i'd be a l- little bit uh, wary of having been too down on pakistan i think it was probably a management uh, problem where they still tried to go for 320 um and couldn't get out of that mindset, and no one really uh, just tried to, you know, see off a few maidens and get themselves back into rebuild.
1: I mean, to be fair, they probably needed 320, if if you look how India came out of the block, so um, you can understand why they did it. Um, Rito, our English fan in India, who were you supporting when it came to the uh, game between India and Pakistan? Did you just take off your English shirt and revert to being Indian?
2: Yeah, of course. I didn't have any other option,
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, actually the as always there was a bit of
2: anticipation for the India Pakistan match. But for some reason Pakistan just can't really put their A game against India in a uh, 50 overs World Cup. They have, I know they have one won against India in the op World Cup once, but somehow they were in a really they had played a really nice platform and then in the blink of an eye it was all gone and the, and then Rohit uh, Sharma just took care to be on from the... just like Neil was mentioning, they need, probably didn't need 320 on the pitch, 2 270 280 would have been par, and there wasn't a lot of dew as well in Nandabad. They read the conditions very poorly and paid the a heavy price.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. It's it, right. Let's let's um, round this off for today. It's been. The uh, World Cup will we'll roll on, and we will do this again in a few days' time and see what happens in the meantime. But uh, we've been saying all the way through who our final four will be in terms of what we've seen so far. Um, Anans, myself, and Neil have made our pre-tournament predictions right at the start. But uh, um, have they changed at all, gents? Um, Anans, in terms of your four, what, what, you, what would your four be now? Put it that way.
4: So I had both England and Australia making it in the top four. And I think they'll still make it, but I think one of the two will make it. Hmm. And I think Pakistan's going to come in there because beware Pakistan. Pakistan does Pakistani things. And I have no doubt that they could come back and absolutely uh, get into the World Cup and start playing some absolutely great cricket. So. What
1: about you, Neil?
3: Yeah, I, I'm I'm not as worried about England, but only because Australia have been so dire. Their, their, their squad makeup is completely wrong. Uh, only one frontline spinner. Um, Travis Head with a broken hand there. They've got a double anchor at three and four. Kerry uh, been dropped for Inglis, who doesn't play middle order domestically. Maxwell's looked off it with the bat. He's been great with the ball. Green was so bad that um, he's been dropped for Stoyness Yet to see what uh, what the rig is going to pull out. But he's averaged um, about 17 in ODIs since the last World Cup. You love Marcus Um, Stoinis, don't you? I I, I do love Marcus Stoinis, mainly because my wife loves Marcus Stoinis because he's a good-looking lad and and he's um, absolutely stacked, which uh, I am not um but uh <laughs> and he comes across really well as well he he, he just seems like a, a nice guy did,
1: did you see that I'm sorry just as a complete sideshow did you see the um the viral video that went around about him when he got caught by the street photographer oh um, him and his girlfriend new in new york
3: the, yeah that was beautiful
1: a really good little street photographer. I've been following him for a while. And all of a sudden, Marcus Stoinis crops up on his feed. He had no idea who he was. He stopped him and his girlfriend in the street and took the pictures. And uh, yeah, really, really good. Um, so your, your final four, Neil?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to lose the Aussies. Uh, no, wait. No, I'm going to lose the Aussies and England. New Zealand, uh, I think, have done enough already to get in. South Africa are looking good as long as they don't get injuries. And Pakistan, or Pakistan, they will find a way and then they'll find a way to mess it up. But they'll get
1: through
0: think, before
1: think that. Who's your fourth, Neil? Yeah, who's your fourth? India. <laughs> <laughs> Goes without saying. Your, your four are the same as my four. I've written them down here, um, if you want to see my workings, but they're the same as my four. Um, South Africa, Pakistan, India, and New Zealand for me as well. Um, Claire, what about you? What's your, what, what, From what you've seen so far, who would you be your semi-finalist?
0: Well, uh, again, I'm probably going to go with those four the same four I mean at the beginning I would have had England and Australia in the mix but they are just not I don't think they performed or they just don't seem to be gelling the same way so yeah I think I'll just go with what the boys said
1: Enrico, same question to you. Are you still having England in your final four, or are you, are you agreeing with uh, the rest of us that maybe South Africa, Pakistan, India, New Zealand look more likely?
2: No, I'm always loyal to England, James. So I have India, New Zealand, South Africa,
1: and England in my top four. Pakistan and lose J- out then.
2: James, uh, if I think it would be a great injustice if we don't mention Kusal Mendis's name on this podcast. That bloke has been in some serious form. He's been hitting it. He's seeing it like a beach
1: ball at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, tremendous. And he never looks in any danger of getting out, either. He seems to just go at his own pace and do what he wants to do. He just dictates. It's like... um, A bit like... when I got my first cricket bat I stood in front of the mirror and made those clicking noises and played the ball all over the place that's what Quinton Decott does for real Um, it's it's mad Um, anyway um, thank you very much to all four of you an interesting discussion as we've gone through and we could have talked about loads more we could have stayed on probably another hour because there's loads of this Cricket World Cup to talk about there's loads more to come as well so uh, we will be back for more as we go through and Rito and Claire really good to see you both and uh, hopefully we'll see you both again um, very soon indeed. So uh, Thank you, for me, both of you, for coming. Thanks to uh, Neil and to Anand for uh, to, for joining me again as well. And uh, we will see you, I'm sure, as we go through the rest of this World Cup. Without further ado, thanks, everybody, for uh, watching stroke listening later. And uh, we will see you again very soon on the uh, Cricket Badger Podcast.
0: Cheers, everybody. <laughs>
3: Podcast Network.